0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Welcome to Big News Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian.
2: The game, we, we've got to figure out a way to get more prepared. The game, we've been struggling on both sides of the ball, really. Offensively, it's been a major problem, though. You know, we think the last two games, we've had two and three points at the first media timeout, which is not how we want to be playing, so we've got to do a better job prepping them with how to attack what they're going to do defensively you know start the game last one charlie
3: all right big noon sports that's nate oates talking uh, at college station after alabama's lost lost to uh, texas a&m which i don't think is a big crime uh, apparently, I'm in the minority. Uh, Alabama's going to lose in the first round if they even make it to North Carolina Asheville. That's what I'm hearing. Gee, my netty people. Now, most of you are probably on my side thinks Alabama has a great chance to... You know what's really, really big here, guys? Alabama gets a week off. They get their legs back. They get their eye back. They get their shot back. There's a lot you can do from a Saturday to a Friday and getting your legs back and getting prepared for tournament play. But they did lose to Texas A&M. No, they didn't play well. Uh, the final was 67-61. Uh, to 61. Um, Alabama's shooting from in the last, what, four games from three-point range has been abysmal. Uh, I think they were one of 16 until somebody made one, uh, Miller made one right before the half. But, um, no, they're not shooting the ball well. They're not playing as good a defense, but, you know, they play pretty well at A&M. Of course, you got to the way Texas A&M throws you into their type of basketball game. A&M's a good basketball team. They're going to win a few games in the tournament. They won a few games in the NCAA tournament. So, there you have that, and I will close with this one note. If there's a better tandem of guards in all of college basketball, please, someone show me. Let me just give you some numbers. For uh, Boots and Taylor, Taylor and Radford, uh, of the 67 Aggie points, they had 49. And, Lars, from the free throw line, of course, A&M was 27 of 28. They were 20 of 20, 10 of 10 each. Good team. Yep. Uh, with Alabama, I think, you're, I think you hit the
4: nail on the head here. Um, they need to rest. Yep. This is a tired team. This is a team uh, whose legs have just given out on them. What happens when your legs go out on your Your arms basketball? get shorter. <laughs> yeah, you, you come up short on your outside shot. It's your outside shot that is most affected when you have fatigue. And this is uh, really about the fourth game in a row that Alabama has struggled to make threes. You know, at the beginning of the season, that was their calling card. That was that was who they were. They were a three-point shooting team. And it's been impressive how they've been able to win games while still struggling from shooting beyond the arc. Thank you. But now, um, now they, they need time off. And, you know, just the other day, Nate Oates was talking about load management. And he said, I don't believe in load management in college basketball. I think maybe he should <laughs> because his guys appear to be tired. I mean load management is a is a huge thing in the n b a right yeah, that, that, we and, could go another hour on that yes and, and and what it means basically is you manage the load of playing time you give each player, especially the older players but nato's uh you know wrongly or rightly uh he said he didn't believe in in load load management in college basketball and Look, he's been saying uh, that they need to be playing their best basketball at the end of the season. Every coach says that. And before the Arkansas, or, or b- before the game on Saturday, um, he's like, "Hey, we got to be better. There's a lot of improvement we need to make. There's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, uh, things that have to uh, that we have to execute better. You know, play better defense, shoot, shoot, shoot better from beyond the arc." Well, it didn't happen. And so uh, I, I think in, in, there, there could be a lot of Monday morning quarterback going on, Matt, if Alabama loses early in the NCAA tournament. Because maybe he should have done a better job of managing minutes. I'm just saying that that would be a potential argument That someone could make because this team is not playing its best basketball right now. And look, this is a good, I guess we also need to remember and keep this in context. We're talking about a team that is probably going to be the number two overall seed in the entire NCAA tournament. So it's not like they are having this epic struggle, but it's just they're not playing as well as they were. About a, uh, about a month ago. Well, Would and you
3: agree with that, that? Yeah, and sometimes that's an issue. When everybody sees, oh, man, you remember what they did to Georgia? And then now they struggle in the next three games and then lose to Texas A&M. You said something I think is worth repeating several times. They won games where they played bad. Yeah, I mean bad. Uh, shot the three ball at 19%, you still win uh, 18 turnovers, and you still win that kind of stuff. That's, a lot of people are, I think, guilty of the, the old baby in the bathwater thing here. They all remember when Alabama. What did they beat Georgia by fifty-one? Beat Vanderbilt by another fifty. Give them time to get their legs back. And by the way, uh, I I think Alabama got a a favorable draw Um, as the one seed. They don't play until Friday again. Rest, rest, rest. And I guess if I look through here, in all likelihood, I guess they'll play. uh, Well, they play either State or Florida. And I think those are very handable games. So did I just make a word. Is that it? Oh, I like that. Uh, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hannibal. They're winnable. How about that? There you go. And then they'll likely take every on game is Missouri.
2: winnable yeah. for Alabama. Yeah, you're, you're mean, exactly right.
4: <laughs> they're, they're as they good as anyone in the country. So. They're, as they're as good as anyone. Yeah, in you the are country. right. You are right. And I, I think this this
3: time off is really going to help them. Meanwhile, Arkansas got a, a, a really, really huge win. I, I think in order for seeding, it was, it was favorable. Um, NCAA tournament bid, I think it may have locked them in. I think they'd have to lay a really big egg. But guess what? They opened with Arkansas. So there's a good chance the Tigers could be one and done. I still think, personally, they're in the NCAA tournament. All right. And then there is UAB. Man, is this team literally blazing. What a basketball game they had Saturday against Charlotte. They won it 93-90 in double overtime. Jordan Jelly Walker had 41. Uh, this team's peaking at the absolute right time as they get ready for their tournament. So that's just kind of going around the horn with basketball, and we'll circle back to Brandon Miller. And I think this story broke right as we got off the air Friday, and so it's I had a chance to stew all weekend. Brandon Miller among the 15 for the for the wooden award not there yeah criminal my opinion that and that's a bad choice of word sorry i just think he should be there you he absolutely should be there um and
4: uh, this is uh, do you do you focus just i guess i'd have to really know the definition of what the award is for If it's just for what you do on the court, then absolutely, no-brainer. And I get that everybody uh, across – a lot of people across the country are not happy with Brandon Miller. They're not happy with Coach Oates. They're not happy with the entire athletic department because the perception – and I'm not entirely sure perception meets reality – but perception here is that Brandon Miller is getting preferential treatment, not just from – Nate Oates, but from everybody at Alabama, like it's like Alabama has enabled him in a way because of uh, the fact that he was not suspended. The fact that there was no sort of uh, uh, ramifications for him, for his actions of the night of the tragic shooting. And but, you know, Jay, uh, Jay Billis. Who I really like, and he's a lawyer. You know, he he's come out and said Alabama's done nothing wrong here. Brandon Miller has rights just like anyone else. Brandon Miller was never charged with the crime. The police are saying Brandon Miller is a witness, not a suspect. And he didn't. And and Matt, we we've had lawyers in here. We talked to Tommy Spina. Uh, a criminal defense attorney for two hours on air. And we couldn't, there's nothing that he did that night
3: broke the law. Right? The police couldn't, didn't charge him with anything. Yeah. Now I would still charge him with a poor judgment, I think. But let, let me go back to a question that you that you brought up, and it is noteworthy on the qualifications for the Wooden Award. Candidates must be full-time students in an accredited NCAA college university. Candidates must be a full-time student making progress towards graduation and have a cumulative two-point or better. Uh, Candidates must exhibit strength of character both on and off the court. Oh, there you go. That's where they're catching him. Yeah. So uh, that's the answer to that. And
4: the pat-down, you know... uh, this has not been handled well by anyone at Alabama. No. Not, not by Oates, not by the administration, not by Brandon
3: Miller. And uh, again, I, Except I think. Except I think he has shown strength in his ability to play through all this. Yeah, absolutely. But the character part, I, I think that comes in question. There is uh, at least one representative from all 50 states uh, for this award. So when it came down to the final 15 or their final 15 nominations on the ballot, Brandon Miller is absent. That explains a little bit, although, uh, I don't know. Would you still put him on there? That's a difficult question. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and I'll ask you. Because <laughs> there's a lot of other things, not the least of which, I'm beginning to think the most dominant pitcher in the history of uh, women's softball may be a fifth-year senior at Alabama. Did you see what she did over the weekend? Remember Jenny Finch? 18. Yeah, I do remember her. But uh, she uh, Montana went eighteen up, eighteen down, perfect game, fourteen strikeouts. She's in the in the discussion. Uh and we'll get. But and you we know what, Jenny Finch's boy, she was. She was on the cover of SI, uh, but it wasn't your story, so we don't no. read it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. We'll be right
1: back. From T town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. In
0: Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very warm this afternoon. The high today around 80. For tonight, fair with the low at 57. Tomorrow, the sky partially sunny. We'll bring in a chance of widely scattered showers by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 77. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide One Hundred Twenty Nine app today.
2: One hundred strikeouts here in twenty twenty-three. And founce has a chance to do both. She continues to climb. The strikeout rankings with her performance today, that is 8 Ks now. And Fouts is feeling it. Nine strikeouts for Montana, and she strikes out the side here in the fourth. 2-2 to Lindsay Hay, and she's caught looking. There you have
3: it. That's a part of the play-by-play from uh, Montana Fouts. Perfect game over the weekend against Longwood um what makes the story a little bit well even more amazing is that the day before uh alabama's number two in the rotation pitched a perfect game um so uh that's what you have out of montana fouls this past weekend very impressive striking out 14
4: of the 18 batters and um it's the third perfect game of her career and uh Man, she is <laughs> she is something special. She is must watch TV every time uh, she takes the mound uh, or gets into the circles. That how they say it. In, into, uh, the into the uh, circle. I guess it's not really a mound like it yeah. is. But but um, she anyway. Uh, she's nine and one this year. Uh, has one hundred seven strikeouts in sixty two innings. Alabama is uh, is seventeen and three. And they begin SEC play on March 18 against Arkansas, and the the the, the one-two combination they have at pitcher Matt is going to make them a national title contender. I mean, they just yeah. just those two alone. When
3: you got one that can throw a no hitter and the other one can throw a perfect game over the weekend, yeah, that yeah, Alabama
4: I mean, is the, once going to be the competition. May not have been elite. But you hey, don't
3: think long. The perfect wood, game is a perfect game. Same way game. you do Oklahoma, right? But um, still, she, oh, she's yeah. had her days against the top tiers too. So, um, all that being said and done, I would urge everyone who has not gone and seen her play in person to do so. But that's advice that's hard to take or hard to at, at least um, for advance with because you can't get tickets. <laughs> I mean, Alabama women's softball sells out. Then and then again. All right. uh, Several other places to go. As far as immediate stories, what do you think of Carr going to the Saints? I like it. Uh, I think it's a good
4: landing spot for him. The Saints have uh, talent on the edge at wide receiver. Dennis Allen, uh, who's now the head coach of the Saints, is uh, the coach who drafted Carr uh, when he was uh, with the Raiders. So they have a history together, familiarity with one another. And uh, I think it, it immediately it just uh, it, it makes the Saints, in my view, the team to beat in that division because it's basically just – it's been the Bucs and the Saints for the last few years. Well, the Saints haven't had good quarterback play. Uh, they're going to get above-average quarterback play with Derek Carr. And there are times when Derek Carr plays like a top-five quarterback – and now um, the 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 Bucks don't have Brady. Uh, the Bucks, I think the Bucks are in full tank mode. Full yeah, full tank mode. <laughs> uh, they're going to go back to the McKay Buccaneers. Remember them? They're they are they are aiming for the number one draft pick uh, <laughs> next year's draft. We haven't had this year's draft yet, but I think uh, when Kyle Trask is going to be your starter. Uh, and they have already let go of Leonard Fournette. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Evans is gone. Um, it's a team that uh, was aging. And they were built for that one to make it. They were really built to make a two-year run. And they did. They got a Super Bowl out of it. You know, so is it worth And it? got to the playoffs. Yeah. Was, was no, no, but but, but, is, flute, it, but is, is it worth it to go all in? And uh, and and you know it, your window is incredibly short with older players, with a quarterback who is you know in the shadow of basically fifty years old. You know now he's forty five, but with with a quarterback making such a huge salary, and you're not really uh, developing younger guys, going after younger guys, and you're all just in the win now mentality, and you end up winning Super Bowl. But now, it's like you have to tear it down to build it back up. That is just the cycle
3: of the NFL. There are very few teams that just keep it keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. But I, I, I think, think in answer to your question, was it worth it? I'd have to ask the New York Times best-selling author who wrote <laughs> Season of the Sun based on what happened with their short-term investment. I have
4: worn, not for very long, but for a minute or two, uh, Bruce Arian's Super Bowl ring. Yeah the thing uh, weighs about eight pounds. It's a really cool ring. And uh, I would say that every single person who is associated with that uh, two, three year run in Tampa would say it was worth it for, uh, to, to, so. to, to, to win the Super Bowl. Um, and, um, but but anyway, uh, the the larger point here is in that division, because of da- the addition of david uh, <laughs> David, because of the, the addition of Carr, to uh the saints i think the saints now immediately are
3: the team to beat what do you think christian let's let's ask christian miller um the first thing that popped in my mind christian first of all how are you you have a good weekend i
5: did i did i'm doing well how are y'all good more housework. <laughs> you know it <laughs> and still going on right <laughs> now so it feels like it's never ending but hopefully it, it eventually will this sometime this week that's the goal
3: what did you think of Carr to the saints
5: I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, you know, Lars just uh, mentioned that, you know, they, they needed um, some better quarterback play. Jameis Winston didn't do, do too bad, but he's uh, dealt with some injuries, and uh, Taysom Hill is just not the guy. And, and Andy Dalton, I don't think necessarily um, was, was the best option. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You get a, a quarterback um, who's a great quarterback. You know, he, he's uh, very proven in the league, and uh, they signed him to a four year extension. I think he fits in nicely. I mean, you look at their offense. You know, they got Alvin Kamara. I guess, you know, we're, we're pending seeing where that goes because I think he's dealing with some legal issues himself. Um, but, you know, they got the, the young wide receiver that they drafted, Chris Olave, a very talented guy. Uh, they had Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, another guy who's battled injuries. Um, and, and they have a pretty decent offensive line. You know, they have some, some good tackles, some, some um, good young talent. You know, Eric McCoy. And the guard they have, you know, Ryan uh, Ramchek is a very solid tackle himself. You know, Andres uh, Andres Pete as well. So I think going and getting Derek Carr uh, was smart play by them. I don't think they would have uh, – they probably would have had to trade up to get a quarterback um, that probably would have been able to make a difference sometime soon. So I, I think going for Derek Carr right now makes a lot of sense. Uh, this past season they're 19th in total offense, um, which isn't bad. Um, again, you got the pieces there. I think Derek Carr can come in right away and help – with that, and then on defense, they were fifth in total defense. So they've got a great defense um, to pair along with him, and so I think it makes a lot of sense, and, and I think it should work out. And I agree; I think they, uh, on paper at least, appear to be the team to beat. Uh, you know, at the Bucks, they're kind of rebuilding right now. You know, releasing some of their you know veteran guys, and you know, Tom Brady's gone. And then the Panthers, you know, they're they're making progress, but again, you know, there's just so many question marks. New head coach, very young team. Um, they're probably you know, in, in the process of probably going to have to let some guys go as well. Um, but they're on the come up. And then you look at the Falcons, I think, again, uh, another young team, just trying to figure things out. So right now, I'd, I'd put my money on the Saints, the Saints being the team to beat in the NFC South. I think it's the Saints
4: in a runaway, to be honest, because uh, who's going to be quarterback for the Falcons? We don't know. Who's going to be quarterback for the Bucks? i to heard a guy Pro- say that. Probably uh, be Trask.
5: Jackson No no, t- no they, they, I don't think they're going with Trask I, I, I think they're going to have to get somebody I totally think they're going with Trask Really I, just, yeah, I yeah. haven't yeah. heard he many, many great things about him right now I mean I, I think he kind of struggled right. Uh it's his first couple years Your time at Alabama and his did not overlap
3: did they uh, I don't know I wonder think if you so. ever, did you ever play up, play against him
5: Not that I recall no but I mean I just remember just oh. kind of seeing him in his first couple you know training camps and I, I think uh, he was struggling quite a bit. I, I just don't know if he's their guy, but I will say you just got to you got to be careful, you know, getting caught up in in uh, the paper Olympics, right? You know, you see all these names on paper, and it's easy right now uh, to say in March, say, oh, you know, they're they're going to be this and that. But I, I will say, you know, I think Carolina, if they can figure out their quarterback situation, I mean, we saw. You know Sam Darnold start coming along, at the, and their defense is—you know—I I play with all those guys. They have so much talent on defense, and I, I'm telling you that if they get their quarterback situation figured out in Carolina, I think they—they they definitely have a, a good chance of um, finally stepping up. And uh, I truly believe that. Just knowing the pieces that they have to work with, um, and, and you know, the Falcons have the quarterback they drafted last year—a uh, guy from uh, what was it, uh, Texas Tech. I believe. No, out of
4: Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, Desmond, yeah, Desmond Ritter.
5: Desmond Ritter, yeah. I mean, I don't know, guys. It's, I liked him. Yeah, it's just tough to say. I think they're going go, uh, yeah.
3: to go with Ritter. Yeah, yeah, yeah they'll go with him. I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good NFL quarterback.
5: I do, too. Um,
4: but, you know, here's just, the question. Wait, 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 just about Trask. Uh, I don't, don't really know how we got on this, but uh, he was a second-round draft pick. Like, at some point, are, do, are you just, like,
5: well, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it, it, it gives you a little more cushion from being cut because they have money tied into you. But I'll be honest. I mean, I mean if, you're, if you're not performing, you're not producing. I mean, it don't really matter if you're a first, second, third, or fourth. I mean, again, your first couple years, they give you about a year or so. If you're a higher um, drafted guy, they give you about a year or so to kind of prove um, your ability uh, just because, again, they have money invested in you. But after that, man, I mean, they'll give him a shot for sure. They'll see what he can do in OTAs. They'll see what he can do in the in the preseason. But I have no doubt they're going to go get them a quarterback to at least have compete with him. There's no way they're just going to hand the keys over to him. Absolutely not.
4: <laughs> Actually, Christian, I stand corrected. Uh, I just got a note from uh, Ira Kaufman, who uh, who has covered the Bucks forever. We've had Ira on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a Hall of Fame voter. And apparently Todd Bowles, the head coach, uh, said at the Combine this weekend or this past week, it was asked about Trask and, you know, does he have the talent to be a starter? And Bowles said, well, he needs talent or sorry, he just needs reps and everybody needs to see him to see exactly what he is, whether it's a number one, a number two or a number three quarterback. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) He's suggesting that he may not even be good enough to be a backup. He may not hold a clipboard. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Message delivered.
3: Okay. Um, Here's Uh, a million dollars. The the Bucs are now looking for a quarterback. $45 million question here is, if Bruce Arians were still the man operating all the controls in Tampa, would he go after Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Okay. Uh, Worked before. Uh, When we get back,
1: let's talk Alabama basketball. with Brian Passing. From T town to the plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: It's probably best that I give short answers
1: here. Yes, yes, I
2: did say uh, it that way.
3: Yeah, <laughs> is that, you're gonna leave it at yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> wow.
2: Okay. Uh, all, right, all right. Like my seventeen year old my seventeen year old daughter, she is known for one word answers, so I'm gonna turn
3: into Sarah pass and give a, a one word answer. Yeah. It was. Nuts. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll probably get a short one on this one. Do, do you sense the, uh, incident and talk about it with this team, like on the plane back, or do you, do you, do you really feel like it's kind of in their rear view mirror now that you're headed to, to the sec basketball tournament?
2: I don't know. I, I think so. I hope so. Um, you know, what what happened is just a tragic situation and really emotional for all of these guys involved. Uh and, and when I say involved I mean, you know, one one of their teammates uh was involved and is and and that is that is tough and obviously um and, and not to diminish at all. The the major issue and that is there was a loss of life. Uh and that is emotional um for these players, coaches, uh, and, and that is has been tough on them. Um, and so, yes, I I think I hope that for, from back standpoint um, they can focus on the task at hand. I think they've done a really good job of doing that. I mean, the the SEC regular season uh, was difficult to secure uh, the championship with Texas A&M right on their heels the whole way. To do that is wasn't easy, and I, I thought they showed a lot of from you know from a sports basketball standpoint, ton of maturity, focus, uh, able to um, focus on the task at hand. That'll be the case going into Nashville, but uh, I, I can't I can't even really put myself in their place uh, because I've never dealt with it. I uh, Can't imagine uh, dealing with all that. Uh, I can't imagine what their you know the the family of of the victim is going through. I can't I just I I can't imagine it. So um I guess the the really long answer is I, I don't know.
4: Brian when you look at the SEC tournament what team in your mind has the most at stake? Like a team that has to win one or two games to to make it into the tournament. And then what do you think Alabama has to do just to lock down the the number two overall seed? Or perhaps number one, but I think most likely number two overall seed in the tournament.
2: Yeah, you know, you, you look at, at the league and all of a sudden Vanderbilt is catching fire. And a team you don't want to face there in their home city. Uh, Mississippi State squarely on the bubble. Auburn on the bubble. Um, teams that would probably not want to lose their first game and depend on um, all of the favorites winning around the country. I I can tell you firsthand, been there way too much over the last several years, and, and that is on, squarely on the bubble, and you're watching uh, West Coast games at one in the morning trying to hope somebody isn't a big stealer. You're watching... Uh, the mid-major conference tournaments and uh, around the country. You're you're hoping that there isn't a... a, one. Your spot is taken. And from an Alabama standpoint, boy, it's nice to be talking about a potential number one overall seed or or one seed. I think this team is in great shape to get a a number one seed, uh, which is incredible. I mean, that is an accomplishment in itself. Uh, So you're not... Really, I don't think, as a player, thinking a whole lot about that. You're thinking about whether it's Mississippi State or Florida on Friday, early afternoon, winning a game in the SEC tournament and advancing to the semifinals. It's great to have the double bye. This team has earned it. They've earned the rest. They've earned, you know, essentially, the, the opportunity to, to advance to the quarterfinals along with three other schools. Um, and their road will be a little easier than others. Now, what you do with that uh, that, that will determine who – Advances who's uh, playing on Saturday and Sunday in Nashville, but this team's in great shape. I think the rest will do them good, and I, I like their chances for a number one seed. And uh, where they fall I will determine what goes on around the country as well. Such a great time of year uh, because it, it's you can look around the country and in one way or the other, it's it may impact you. In years past, it would impact you from you get it. Uh, now depending on what. UCLA and Kansas and Houston and Purdue and some others do, you could be looking at you know somewhere in the, on the one line, uh, which is an incredible place for this program to be.
5: Brian, as good as this team is, no team is perfect. But if you had to put your finger on one thing that you feel like need, that this team needs to improve upon you know, going into the tournament, what would that thing be?
2: Well, they've guarded at a high level. Uh, they've rebounded at a really high level. And because of those things, they've given themselves a chance to win when shots aren't falling. When it comes to March, guard play is so important. Love the way that Javon Quinterly is playing. Uh, you know, Mark Sears and Jaden Bradley are great players. They've had some ups and downs over the last couple of weeks. I'm not worried about them. Uh, I think they're going to be really good. I think this team is you know, in, in great shape, but I would obviously like to see them shoot the ball better. I think they're going to do that. Uh, in Nashville, and when this team shoots the ball at a high level with the way they defend, uh, they are clearly one of the best teams in the country. So hopefully the shots will start to fall. In in the area that they've been inconsistent with most of the year, and they've gotten better with it through conference play is taking care of the ball. Uh, But when this team, with their offensive firepower, takes care of the basketball, they're, they're very hard to stop, even when the shots aren't falling. You go back to the Arkansas game, Alabama shot 14% from three in that game and still scored 85, 86 points. So they can put the ball in basket a variety of ways, whether it's getting to the rim, the free throw line, uh, when the threes are falling, look out. Uh, they're close to unbeatable as long as uh, the, the defense is, is playing the way they have the majority of the year. So uh, this team uh, is has a chance to, to do something special, and it starts on Friday in Nashville.
3: Well, say hello to Clint Black for us, all right?
2: <laughs> I will. All the, all the all the stars will be out uh, in, in Nashville. It's such a such a fun tournament. We love it, regardless where it is. But there's, it, it's special in Nashville. So, looking forward to getting back to the Music City after last year. It was, it was good in Tampa, but uh, good to be back in Nashville.
3: I think it's Vince Gill that's a huge basketball fan. But anyway, have a great trip, and we will talk to you either later this week or uh, very beginning of next week when we uh, go through Selection Sunday. Thank you so much.
2: Always enjoy it. Thanks, guys.
3: Uh, Something was revealed at the very end of the telecast at Texas A&M. I found very, very interesting. We'll pass along that. On the other side of this break, Big Noon Sports.
1: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports.
2: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download
0: the Tide 100.9 app today. Ah! Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very warm this afternoon. The high today around 80. For tonight, fair with a low at 57. Tomorrow, the sky partially sunny. We'll bring in a chance of widely scattered showers by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 77. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Back on Big Noon Sports. Always uh, like to tip our hat several times during the show to Joe and Josh and Aiden, who handle uh, all our behind the scenes work. We appreciate that much on the March 6th edition of Big Noon Sports. Uh, do remember, we're on bignoonsports.com. We have our own website. You could also click listen there and go straight to our broadcast coming through Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. And also follow us on Twitter at Big Noon Sports. Now, Watching the basketball game with great interest, you know Alabama did not play well. But even though they're on the road, and they're playing one of the best—I think the best—defense in all of college basketball. They're hanging in there right to the final seconds, seconds of the of the game. And at that point, when it looked pretty much looked like the Aggies were going to win this one, um, the announcers said that Nate Oates and the Alabama basketball team had been instructed by those that run the arena, and I'm sure a conference official was in here and a representative from Alabama and A&M as well, that the minute the buzzer sounded, go straight to your locker room. Don't do the coach shake, don't do the handshake, don't do anything for fear of what might happen if Aggie fans were to rush the court. Now, first of all, that's smart. Second of all, why do we have to do that? Anywhere, hey, I've been it's saying unsafe. I've been saying for a long time
4: that it's uh, this is a time bomb waiting to explode, and somebody's going to get hurt or worse, and, uh, it, it, and 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 really the the worst place for this to happen is in college basketball because the area is so small, and uh, it's it, I don't know if you've ever been in a Like uh, in a situation where, um, you know, people are just running all around and it's like if you fall down, you can get trampled.
3: You You almost lost your life in one.
4: I did. I did when I when I was younger, Uh, you know, and and yes, and and I'm scarred by it because I, I, I that's one of the most horrifying, scary things I've been through in my life. A Nebraska football player saved my life. I truly believe that. Because I was out on the field when I was like eight years old. After a win, uh, I I got pushed down to the ground, and there's just people running all over. And a football player saw me, and he literally crawled on top of me and just like guarded me, shielded me. Um, and it, it 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 can happen so fast. I mean, you've seen it uh, in in South America. Uh, at different uh soccer events, you've seen it in Europe. Um, and and Christian, I don't know if you have ever, as a player, um, been in a situation where opposing fans storm the field because you lost. Have you
5: maybe once or twice at the most? I think, uh, my junior year when we lost to Auburn on the road, I think fans stormed, but um. I think it took them some time to kind of get down on the field and we kind of already were clearing out. At least I was, uh, if, if I remember correctly. Um, but I think, you know, fortunately I've only, you know, lost a, a couple of times in college and, and probably half of those were in championship games, which there's no storm in the field. Um, at those events, I don't know if the security is just different or what, but, um, definitely no storm in the field then. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm correct, I think just Auburn, uh, my redshirt junior year on the road. That's the one that comes to mind, at least. Well, you're
4: so big, <laughs> it wouldn't matter anyway because you could handle it. <laughs> see, they don't uh, run over uh, him; see, they yeah. run around. Him. Yeah, exactly. They run over large. Um, and but but Matt, have you been in a situation like that where uh, you're say you're calling a game and and uh,
3: fans come rushing down and then jump over? Yeah, uh, jumping the, the over table. the table. Yeah, um, it was right here. It was at Bartow Arena back in the Mike Anderson days, and oh, number one Memphis came in and UAB clocked. Oh, I, be, I was eight, I was at that game and eight thousand. <laughs> well, you saw them. they stormed yeah, the floor. Yeah, and you know they're coming around you and beside you and over you. Now they made they were very careful not to upset literally anything on the table or the people that were sitting behind it. Um, I never feared for my life. They were not real rowdy, but the, and it's not like they filled every single inch. The thing inch. is,
4: though, there is no control in that situation. Well, there's nowhere to go. There's no That's control. The I mean, there's just, there. there is no way to stop what
3: is happening. It's, it's like It's ants. impossible. Like yes. If you look at it from above, it looks like ants chaos. run in, well, uh, you, you have to be careful, but in the case of a football game, you have a lot more space as you pointed out. but also if you're on the periphery and and you get scared you can go back into the stands. you know I guess you could do that to a certain extent at a basketball game, but it's so crowded you got no place to go I know. and I, people have told me that I'm a fuddy duddy
4: on this issue. But I'm just telling you, it's a, just a matter of time until something very, very bad happens.
5: Can I make one quick note? Uh, I just thought about this after you yeah. asked that. I've only lost three regular season games. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I lost, well, my redshirt year, we lost to Ole Miss on the road. In 2015, my redshirt freshman year, we lost to Ole Miss at home. And then it wasn't until we went undefeated until we lost the championship game, my redshirt sophomore year. My redshirt junior year, we lost to Auburn on the road. In my red shirt senior year, we went undefeated, then lost to Clemson in the national championship game. So, I've only lost three regular season games and two national championships, I believe. How
3: many total? Five?
5: Yeah, I guess five total, and then two of those were national championships. <laughs> that is ridiculous.
3: Pretty remarkable record. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, well, you were a part of a great run. Hopefully, it continues for Alabama fans. Back with Big Noon Sports, second hour is coming up.
0: 265 CG Tuscaloosa Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app
1: Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter and Christian Miller Lars, uh,
3: Christian I went by to see my son on the way to work and um, he and a buddy there were uh, deciding where they're going to play tomorrow. I mean, that's where we are right now. Kind of weather is this? 80s the high today. It is March 6th. Crazy. Uh I haven't looked uh long range forecast, but I will real quick here. Yes, it's going back down to 39 later this week. Uh wow. Next Wednesday they're saying it'll be 33 degrees. So, uh I guess we got one more cold round and then we'll get back to spring, summer. But right now it is March madness. Um, Alabama lost to Texas A and M of the weekend, sixty seven sixty one. Uh real quick comment from Kristen, I'll start with you and then and then Lars. And I know basketball is not your game, but you certainly keep up. But I, I don't think there's an equivalent of going twenty seven or twenty eight from the free throw line. But a lot of that's mental. Um yeah i mean a and m their guards were 20 from 20 for the free throw line it's just amazing when a team to me christian is that disciplined
5: that discipline but uh, matt i also think it's one of those things that alabama is getting everybody's best game now again when you're ranked highly like that um people are going to have your number and they're they're going to come after you and you have to be prepared for that you know again they also went on the road so uh, you know it is what it is, you know, definitely not their best performance. And, but, you know, they, they did show some, uh, some, some positives in the game. But, um, you know, like what Brian was saying, you know, they are SEC regular champs. So it's, it's not going to affect them too much. But, again, now is the time you probably want to get those out of your system and then kind of, you know, start amping it back up once, you know, it's, it's tournament time because that's, that's when things really matter.
4: Christian, um, I want to switch topics here real quick. I got a question for you. So right now, the Tennessee Titans are trending on Twitter. And there's a reason for that. Uh, For many years, I worked with Mike Silver at Sports Illustrated. Great writer. Really good reporter. Uh, And Mike is reporting that Derrick Henry is being shopped around for a trade. I saw that. Uh, did yeah? Do you first of all what, what, what why are the Titans doing this? I, and I fully believe it's true. And and, and also, uh, Mike Silver mentioned that Jalen Ramsey, uh, the cornerback for our, the the Rams, and DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver with the uh, Arizona Cardinals, are have also been shopped in recent days. But but what about what about Derek? Why why would Tennessee be looking to unload him?
5: Oh, I mean, it's simple. I mean, it's a business, right? You know, they have cap space. Um, they want to rebuild, um, and, and typically, what they do is they, they they think they've gotten you know the the best out of a guy, and it's to a point where they're saying, hey, you know, we probably could you know get rid of him, ship him off, get some good uh, draft capital in return, start you know rebuild and get some younger guys, and probably find a running back that can be. Obviously, he's not going to be Derrick Henry, but could he be effective enough to replace him? And that that's kind of their mindset. You know, you see it work out sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you look at you know, the Cowboys traded away Amari Cooper, then it looked like they were lacking a, a true number one receiver. And they looked like they really lost out on that trade. I mean, I know CeeDee Lamb stepped up, and he's played great. But, you know, you could tell they were missing Amari Cooper. A lot of these teams, they do these things, again, because, you know, they, 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 they want draft capital. They want younger guys in there. I mean, you you got to think the shelf life for a running back is not very high anyway. So they're probably thinking, hey, Derek probably only has maybe one, you know. Not, I mean, obviously he has more than just one good season. But in their minds, they're trying to look for reasons to justify this. And they're probably saying, hey, you know, he's a running back. Derek's kind of starting to get up there. You know, he's probably you know, just taking a beating. He's going to get getting some wear and tear on his body. Maybe we can unload him now because he probably has one or two, you know, really prime seasons left before he's on the decline. Again, I'm not saying that this is what they're thinking, but – um, they're saying, hey, we can go ahead and just get rid of him now while he still has a very high value and uh, get some good picks. So that's that's typically why they do that, Lars. Um, you mentioned Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in the game. They're doing that as well. You see this when a team is looking to rebuild. They have a really good player, and in their mind they're saying, hey, we know how great this guy is. But football, there's you have 11 guys on the field at once, right? I mean, you, you could have the greatest player in the world, and if you you have the 10 other guys around him aren't worth a crap, then – it doesn't really mean anything so if, if they can get more draft capital and hopefully hit on a couple of guys a lot of times they'll do that and, and you also look at cap space that's another huge reason you know the, the minnesota vikings just released uh their starting linebacker um who, who literally has been one of the best linebackers for the past 10 years uh, was eric kendricks i believe and uh again it's, yeah. it's one of those cap space things where um and, and he's probably getting a little older they're looking to probably replace him but With the cap space, it's tough. Teams don't want to pay. These guys have these big contracts, and and unfortunately, if they cut them, they can clear up some space and hopefully get some young guys in there that can um, help produce, but at a much cheaper rate.
4: You know, sticking with the Titans, um, they also are releasing Bud Dupree, right? A pass rusher. He was a former big-ticket free agent signing, and he was due $17 million this this season, and, um, you know, obviously they want to reallocate th- their resources, right? Their cap resources. Yep. But so, uh, Christian, uh, can you explain to me and our listeners, so Bud Dupree is due $17 million this season. Mm-hmm. If nobody picks him up, he doesn't get that money, correct? Because NFL contracts, for the most part, are not guaranteed.
5: Uh, it, it depends. Unless you Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, yeah, his was guaranteed. But it it really depends, Lars. I'm I'm not the best when it comes to all the verbiage in these contracts. But there are um, some stipulations where if you cut a guy before the new league year starts, um, he doesn't hit towards your cap space or you don't have to pay him X amount of money. Um, So there's a lot of uh, variables like of, of when you cut somebody or when you release them. Or who you trade them to. Sometimes they'll work out deals on who's going to pay what remainder of this contract. There's just so many different things that go into it. Uh, but to answer your question, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I highly doubt he's just not going to get anything of that money. Typically, they, they have to pay you something. It just depends on what the contract states. Um, but th- there's a lot of variables that go into that. But, yeah, I'm sure he'll, he'll be due something. There's no way they can get off the hook without paying him anything. But I could be wrong. Maybe his contract states that. But typically, you see them get at least something. Or the new team will pick it up. I mean, yeah, some team, uh, yeah,
4: some team will clearly pick up Bud Dupree. I mean, he's still an elite player, but the, the Titans are just, uh, you know, they're 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 shedding a lot of money right they're now. They're in
5: rebuild mode, and uh, clearly they're in rebuild yeah, they mode. are
4: they are in rebuild mode. I think they're going to draft a quarterback uh, with the first uh, with their first pick, and um, I know we have Mike Rodak coming on uh, here from Ale dot com in a little bit. And Mike attended the scouting combine, and clearly, uh, Matt, the star of the scouting combine, was Anthony Richardson, quarterback. He gotten a lot Florida. of ink. Uh, his, his numbers are just off the charts.
5: Well, his but throws were good too. Did you see was, his throws. He had some. He has some it, nice. His throws, throws
4: against air were great. Yeah, but I, you know who beat you know who beat him last year? Vandy. Like, I, I, you know, it's like, it, it, do we just forget like what they actually did on the field because the guy's a workout warrior? What is it? What's the phrase? Uh, uh, You're an all-American uh, looks, in lo- looks like yeah. Tarzan plays like Jane. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've been hearing from people I know in the league that Anthony Richardson could go, could go as high as number two.
5: No, you need that one. Two to have a well. and, 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 and he
4: actually, he actually just hopscotched over C.J. Stroud in Vegas for in the in terms of odds to be the second quarterback off the board after Bryce Young.
5: Lars, I, I, Christian,
4: where I, is he going? What
5: well, no, I was mad. Yeah. Uh, No, I was I was about to uh, go there, Matt. I, I actually agree with them to an extent in terms of I I get it. You know, everything's on air. Guys are going to look. Uh, as best as they can. I mean, hell, they have spent the last couple months training specifically for this event. That's all they've been doing. You know, I can go over how the, uh, you know, training for um, the combine works, right? You know, typically you, you're like, you're spending you know, five days a week almost preparing for this one event. You know, you're, you're training in, in the weight room to get bigger, stronger, put on muscle. You're doing all type of, of footwork drills. And, and training for these drills specifically, you're doing 40 starts. You're doing cone drills, vert um, exercises. I mean, you, you literally are preparing specifically for us and working with, you know, individual coaches um, for those drills. So as a linebacker, I'd work with a linebacker coach doing bag drills, doing drops, you name it, anything that I could do to prepare myself for the combine and pro day. So guys are going to look the part, right? You said it best, Lars, and it's true. You know, they're just throwing on air. We saw guys like. Um what's the Jets quarterback uh name? Zach Wilson. It's Zach, Zach Wilson. Yeah. He had the
4: he had the most amazing pro day that anyone's ever seen. Yeah. And suddenly Zach Wilson's the number two overall pick yep. in the draft.
5: Yeah, it it is so you're you're a hundred percent right. So good. Yeah, no, did it didn't. So at least it, as of now it hasn't. But you're right. You know, it's it's tough to, to you know go in on all these guys, you know, and again a lot of it's for just the media because I'll be honest, these NFL teams. I was talking to, a uh, matter of fact, one of the players for the team who's, who was just at the Combine uh, this past weekend. But I was telling him, you know, first and foremost, they're going to look at film. Film overrules everything. You know, the Combine and all these testing things, it's really just to check boxes. And I told it's <laughs> funny enough, I said, you know how many 40s I ran after, you know, Combine and Pro Day? Zero. I have not ran another 40. I've never, I've never jumped another vertical jump, broad jump. I have not done a single one <laughs> of those things ever since my, la- my, my Pro Day in 2019. Haven't haven't done a single one of them, and so that that's all these things are for. Just to check boxes. And the guys, some guys um, are, are they, they benefit from this? You know, the, the guys that have all this explosive athleticism, it can help you kind of move up a little bit. It might make some guys drop a little bit. But at the end of the day, the film never lies, and I will keep saying that repeatedly. And I know I sound like a broken record, but it's true. At the end of the day, you either can play football or you can't. You know, running and jumping, they really don't. Like think about it. What does it matter what an offensive lineman runs in a forty? Like seriously, like they look now. Granted, they look at more of the the ten yard split for those guys. It Again, you it can judge athleticism, you know, in, in terms of exploding off the ball, climbing the next stuff. I understand how on paper you can ride it out to say, "Oh, this is how this translates. But let, let's just let's just call it, you know, let's call it how it is. Half that stuff doesn't mean anything. But I will say though, you know, it seeing a guy like Anthony Richardson throw like that, that it, it does make you intrigued. It does make you intrigued, but. Sure. It's one of those things where at the end of the day you gotta you gotta put on the pads and the helmet, and you gotta go out there and produce on the field. But I was gonna ask you, and we can talk about it with Mike. Do y'all think Bryce Young uh not I wouldn't say hurt himself, but missed out by not throwing and these other guys went out there and threw and, and performed well? Obviously, I don't think it's gonna affect him too much, but I'm curious to what no, you guys no. think and what Mike thinks. Um if he did, you know, well i will get it done in
4: pro day. The, what what was important is that that Bryce measured at 5'10". And 1'8". And, like, and one eighth. But even more significant, he weighed in at 2'04". Which I thought he would have been closer to 1'9".
5: Yeah. I so. mean, I, I and,
4: and you know that he's absolutely going to tear it up on his
5: pro day. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just but, feel but like an, if he, if he did Richardson, throw, yep. I just was going to say, I feel like if he did throw, there would just be less talk about all the size and stuff because then he would just shut everybody up. Because then I guarantee if he went Good out there point. and threw, they see how talented his arm is they would forget all about the height and weight. That's the only thing I would say, and you're 100% right. A pro day, he's going to tear it up, and we'll forget about it then. But I just almost feel like, if hey, if he would have just went out there and threw the ball, he would have shut everybody up, and nobody would have been talking about the height and weight as much as they have. But that's all they had to talk about because that's really all he gave them at, at the combine.
4: Yeah, and, and about Anthony Richardson, he had two combine records for the quarterback position he had a 40.5 inch vertical jump and a 10 foot, uh, 10 foot 9 inch broad jump.
3: But who cares? Well, you know, you it you th- have th- to jump straight <laughs> up in the air in order to complete and th- passes. Th- th- that's that's correct. correct. And he went out so and ran a 4.4. Hell hey, Lars! He
5: might be able to jump over his lineman with that 40 inch vert.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's where it'll come in handy. Because it's done. How about bringing back the jump pass?
0: <laughs> yeah. There you
3: go. Uh, let's talk to Mike. <laughs> let's talk to Mike Rodak in a minute.
1: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
0: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 129 app today. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very warm this afternoon. The high today around 80. For tonight, fair with a low at 57. Tomorrow, the sky partially sunny. We'll bring in a chance of widely scattered showers by afternoon. The high tomorrow at 77. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Big Noon Sports, Christian, Matt, and Lars, and now joined by AL.com's Mike Rodak, who has just returned from the Combines in Nashville. Uh, Mike, first of all, I I know the players, uh, coaches, and scouts were able to survive the weekend, the week. Um, As a participating member of the media, did you get out okay?
6: I did. I did. It's always, uh, you know, you land and it's like people are texting you, hey, come out, and Come meet with us, and it's just you know it's a big socializing event. Everybody comes to Indy and kind of has you know it's more about the what the after hour stuff than it is about the uh, you know the actual on field stuff. But yeah, I am I am alive that, and well.
4: That's what makes it the greatest event in all of sports for uh, the media. reporters to cover. Uh, did you make the pilgrimage to St. Elmo's Steakhouse and have the shrimp cocktail?
6: I so I went to their sister restaurant. Um Harry and Izzy's. That's right next to it. St. Ambo's can be a tough tough table to get, but uh Harry and Izzy's does have oh, a yeah. cocktail and I had one. Um it's probably my tenth or eleventh of, of my career, and honestly it's not that bad. <laughs> like I, I've never really had a big problem with it. I, I don't need a, a bottle of water after anything.
1: Yeah,
4: no, I I love it. Um <laughs> the, the the cocktail sauce, for those who don't know, is it's it, it is hot. Uh but uh yeah. Anyway, um, Mike, just your your big takeaway of uh, how the Alabama guys did at the combine, and and the, and were you surprised that Bryce Young weighed in at two o four?
6: Not too surprised. I, I think there was probably a concerted effort on his part to just get up a little bit. Um, I think he was at one ninety four listed at Alabama, and he kind of told us on Wednesday or on Friday rather that um, you know he's been around two hundred so. Um, you know, obviously it's like weighing in for wrestling. Uh, depending on which direction you want to go, you can manipulate the number a little bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I I think he was aware of, of how that would be perceived, and I'm sure he wanted to weigh in a little bit higher. Uh, the height you can't change, but the height I think kind of came in where we expected, maybe a smidge below, but um, I don't think anybody's surprised that he's 5'10 and 1'8. I don't think anybody's expecting him to be 6 feet tall like Alabama said. Um, But, yeah, as far as overall takeaways, too, I I should say, you know, it wasn't the most um, overwhelming Alabama week because there's no receivers there. So any time a receiver's there and what they run in the 40s always going to be the main attraction. So uh, that kind of took away from that. Bryce Young not doing anything kind of took away from that. But, you know, Will Anderson running a 4'6", you know, potentially as an NFL defensive end, uh, was certainly good for him. Not like he really needed anything to add to his resume um you know jameer gibbs running a 4-3-6 it was actually interesting he told us he ran a 4-3-2 his freshman year at georgia tech so i don't know maybe he had a little bit more you know to give on that one maybe it was a little disappointing for him uh but it's still you know i think the best time an alabama running back's ever put up with the combine
5: would you say there's a missed opportunity for bryce not throwing the ball only because you know obviously he has nothing to prove but um Still, the talk is just all about his size right now, his height and weight. Do you feel like that almost would have silenced some of the critter, critics just to kind of take the attention off of his height and weight if he would have got out there and just thrown the ball, especially after seeing you know guys like anthony Richardson c j Stroud you know perform so well in, in the throwing portion of the combine?
6: uh yes and no. I mean, you know, I think there's certainly potential for him to go out and kind of remind people what he can do. but at the end of the day, I think you know the biggest concern teams would probably have with his height is being able to you know see around the line and see over a line, not have passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. And you're not really going to recreate any of that on the field at the combine. So it's not, you know, you're not going to prove anybody wrong in in that regard. Um, But you kind of, like you said, kind of show people what he's got and um, put himself out against other quarterbacks. But, you know, I, I don't blame him one bit for not throwing. I think he doesn't need to. I think people can see on film what he's capable of. I think, you know, one of his biggest assets is what's inside his head, Um, his mental approach to the game and just how he is such a student of the game and is so serious about football. And that's going to come out in the interviews uh, that he did with teams in Indy, you know, more than it would come out on the field. And I think, you know, they can see what he did in big moments in Alabama and talk to his teammates and his coaches and find that out. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a team out there, not that there's a, a huge group of teams that has a chance at them, but I don't think there's a team out there that's going to say, oh, you didn't throw at the combine. We're not going to take it because of that.
3: <laughs> um, I'm sure there's talk about positioning in the draft. Uh, did you hear anything like maybe the Bears are going to trade away, where Rice is going to go, well, well, Will Anderson is going to go?
6: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's um, – it's definitely possible. I think it's likely, in fact. I don't know. It's one of those things where sometimes teams make the, uh, the trade ahead of time. I remember the Jets did it a few years back. It was in March. Um, and it was, you know, you're talking five, six weeks ahead of the draft and it's got the trade done and everybody else can kind of fall in line from there. Or sometimes you have teams that wait until the last minute and try to squeeze out the best offer and you're going until the night of the, the first um, round and and seeing what you can get by then. So there's different ways to approach it. I don't know exactly what the Bears will do, but I think it's likely that they'll trade it. And whether it's the Colts or the Texans, that seems to be, you know, the two teams that would um, hone in on Bryce. And, you know, that's, it still seems like he's going number one. Yeah. You know, I don't think anything Anthony Richardson did on the field and the combine overcomes, you know, the difference in his play on the actual field in college uh, for him to be taken ahead of Bryce. And I think CJ Stroud is probably in the same category. So, um, yeah, I, I still expect Bryce to go into one. I still expect it to be the Texans or, or the Colts.
4: Mike, um, can you just kind of take us behind the scenes of what it's like to cover the combine? Let's say you wanted to have try to get a one-on-one with Brian Branch. Is there an Alabama uh, SID there that can help? help that and and uh i, I think there's a per, uh, perception out there that reporters are actually in the stadium watching the combine and When i was in, when, one of them when in fact you you are not inside the stadium correct or, or you're not uh you're, you're in the concourse
6: correct uh so it used to be in the concourse when i did my first combine 2011 it was um in like in the club area and then i want to say i don't know five six seven eight years ago they moved it over to the convention center to give them more space. Um, you know, because there's probably over a 1,000 credentialed media there. But you're right. I mean, for a while, they didn't allow anybody in media-wise, maybe just a pool reporter into the workouts. And I think they've kind of opened that up recently. But I think there's a very small group of people that actually go over and watch. Um, you know, it's, it's boring, quite frankly, especially have you know, offensive linemen running 40s and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot more value. People kind of go into the bars and restaurants and see who they can meet. Um, and that's even, you know, to do interviews. Like, there's not a, a huge amount of um, mainstream media doing interviews, especially on the NFL side with players. It's, it's more with the, the coaches and GMs. So, um, no, there's no SID there. Uh, it's all NFL people. It, it honestly would be tough to get a one-on-one with any of these guys. They, they kind of move them through. Uh, you know, all the medical stuff, all the team interviews, they have, you know, they, they do like shoots for, um, ESPN's draft coverage where the players are holding a football and stuff like that. So it's a pretty rapid fire schedule for them. And, um, and they might do like a serious XM interview or NBC Sports, CBS Sports, but, uh, us, us peons, you know, in the written media, we usually don't get too much other than our, our 10 minutes of them.
5: I'm going to switch to basketball real quick, Mike. What are your thoughts on Brandon Miller not being a finalist for the Wooden Award?
6: Yeah, uh, surprising, obviously. You know, it's the case of um, who exactly is is voting for that award. I think that's the Los Angeles Tip-Off Club um, is considering something other than basketball. And that's, you know, you'd have to go back and look exactly what their qualifications for the award are. And, you know, that's one of the things. It's like when you have all these different organizations and tip-off clubs and foundations and all all sorts of outside people, they can make whatever rules they want uh, for their own awards. And then, you know, it's up to them whether or not to follow them. Whereas like, there's no, like the Associated Press is probably your best in terms of blanket across the board. Here's the awards for each conference. Here's the national player of the year. Like it's all one organization. It's all one set of rules. So they can make whatever rules they want. Most people can consider whatever they want in this case obviously he's one of the best 15 players in college basketball but in their minds he shouldn't have been a finalist because they felt like there was something other than basketball so that's up to them and again they kind of make their own rules
3: uh, I looked it up. Lars and I did earlier today. There is a criteria in there for character on and off the floor, that type of thing. So, I mean, I imagine a lot of people saw that and put him on there and that's their right to do. So if they want to consider it that highly in their list of qualifications to be a wooden award winner. Hey, before we go to break, Mike, uh, saw you did a piece on Alabama's, uh, women's softball, your thoughts and, uh, Montana fouts and all that. Uh, once again, Murphy's got them playing great.
6: Yeah, there was a couple hiccups earlier in the season, a um, couple games they probably shouldn't have lost. But, you know, Montana Fouts is dealing. She's dealing. I think it was 14 out of 18. She struck out yesterday. And, um, you know, her second perfect game that she's done solo in her five years. The other one was in the, the College World Series against UCLA. And, um, I mean, if, if she can get going like that, and Alabama can go as far as as far as she takes her, Um and we'll have to see, you know, how things go in SEC play and down the stretch. But it wasn't just her, too. I mean, uh, Jayla Torrance yesterday, or on Saturday, threw a, um, a no-hitter as well. So, you know, you're talking about lower-level competition. It's games that are shorter because of the run rule. They're, Alabama's scoring enough runs to end the game. But uh, still pretty impressive. Yeah,
3: no kidding. Uh, tell everybody all they can fi- follow and find Mike Rodak.
6: On Twitter, at Mike Rodak, and uh, at AL.com.
3: Pretty simple stuff, but uh, very, very great information. Great information, as always. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Mike. Mike. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. You bet. All right. Let's take a break. When we get back, uh, have either of you guys ever heard of a beer snake? Uh, Well, I know, what you're, I know where you're going. Sorry. No. I have. You have? Yeah. I, I, I kind of knew what it was, but this report out of uh, D.C. confirmed it. Uh, don't let your mind run away with yourself, okay? you um, snake. But uh, it was broken up, and it was not very popular a decision. <laughs> and then there's another question about fruit, which we will get
1: to in just a couple of minutes. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And paid for by. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here. Treating patients
3: from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world.
2: As respected industry
3: leaders, we are here.
2: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
1: Excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education,
6: and excellence in sports injury prevention.
1: We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing. Victory
0: over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
3: I continue to be intrigued by the XFL. I like watching them. I like seeing players and going to my phone to look up and see where they played in college. You know, guys that are making really good plays. Um, and I, I think the entire league, and I'm not alone just from being here in Alabama, but uh, A.J. McCarron. And again, he tried and tried to get the, um, get St. Louis in another comeback. It didn't happen. They were at D.C., but while all is by way, through threw for four touchdowns, I think, yesterday. A.J. McCarron
4: is playing some great football. I mean, to me, and I watched him closely with the Bengals because, you know, I'm a big Bengals fan. He is playing at a higher level now than he did when he was uh, with the Bengals and, and, yeah. and, and their starting quarterback in the playoffs.
3: He is indeed, but he couldn't get it done yesterday against D.C., but in the course of the game, the fans there, and now that I think about it, I've, I've seen it elsewhere, but maybe like 10 feet long. Well, the fans there uh, have just taken upon themselves to create and make the largest beer snakes. And if you don't know what that is, and I wasn't real sure when I saw the story this morning, but you drink out of a plastic cup, and then you hook one on, and you hook another and you hook another one, another and another and another and another and, another and I could go on with a lot of others here for what they were doing at D.C. But it went from the top. It looked like the end zone seats. Mm-hmm. It went like from the top of the end zone seats, which I'm guessing there are at least 50 rows in front of them, all the way down to the sideline. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm supposed to be a little bit on the math side. I have no idea how many cups that would be. Well, well I'm, I'm guessing I, like. Uh, <laughs> no, no. 10, I, I actually got, got this. I, I, okay. I have the information. Anyway, they for broke you. it up, and that didn't suit the fans very well. And I don't know why they had this as ammunition, but then they pelted the field with lemons. Where are they getting lemons? Do they give them with a shot of tequila? <laughs> I mean, but they were whole lemons. I'm not talking about slices. Um, I was as curious about that. You don't give stuff like that out to fans. Uh, well, here's a beer. Here's a lemon. Go ahead, Laura. All right. So on Sunday,
4: the beer snake stretched over 30 rows of seats from the front row to the back fence. That's 90 feet of beer snake by a conservative estimate. And for comparison, a reticulated python. Is that how you say? R- yeah, retic- that's right. Reticulated python. Reticulated. Uh, I grew up with reticulated. snakes. Reticulated. That's... Okay, Uh, that's (laughs) the longest snake in the world, and that can reach up to 20 feet in length. And the uh, the guesstimate was that this took 1,240 cups, or the equivalent of 20,000 ounces of beer. That makes for 156 gallons of cold beer. And the snake, yeah, it got so controversial and unruly that the defenders had to establish rules to help govern it. This oh. <laughs> is <laughs> great. Yeah, uh, and basically they there is a beer snake code of conduct mm-hmm. for the safety of the fans. The beer snake will be permitted in sections one thirty six and one thirty seven, contingent on fans following. Fans following the game day co- game day code of conduct: one, no cups may be thrown on the field, uh, and can I, only empty cups can be used. Any throwing of the cups or any projectile objects uh, within the seated area of where the snake is are grounds for ejection. And the cups from the beer snake must be properly disposed of in a stadium receptacle at the conclusion of the game. So there's a beer snake code of conduct, Matt. Did you ever think the day would arrive?
3: No. We would have this. But only in the XFL. <laughs> I mean, I, this is one of those things I would have seen in the uh, the old, old, old XFL. Um, I think it's pretty Where they pretty mic'd funny. up everybody in the fan. Yeah, it's that, hey, a good story. Now, I'm told, Josh says, the fans started uh, the beer snake first week, and I guess they've been continuing it where do yeah. they keep it? Along the aisle or something? And then rebuild build onto it each year? Um, I honestly thought they'd probably have that many beers consumed in one day. But they were afraid that they might get in trouble, so they brought lemons to throw. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, just... Um... <laughs>
3: You're going to have to frisk down, pat down for
4: lemons? Yeah, um... And yeah, I mean, I don't know. You could call it sort of bad behavior um, that uh, that 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 they threw lemons onto the field um, once the beer snake uh, (laughs) was and and once the beer snake was completed and uh, the fans were chanting, we want lemons, we want lemons. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, they
3: were beating the Battle (laughs) Hawks.
4: Yeah, because um, in, in D.C.'s first game against the Seattle Dragons uh, in late February, fans made a massive beer snake that was eventually uh, cracked down by security. And then in protest, that's when they threw lemons onto the field. And then the code of conduct came out, and, uh, and then the fans took advantage of that on Sunday. And, and there were even signs
2: People Save made the signs, beer
4: snake. Signs of support for the beer snake. <laughs> uh yeah. But even so, the fans uh after a, 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 a touchdown the defenders scored in the fourth quarter, um they were throwing lemons onto the onto the field. And then they're also chanting bad things about Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins. Um but <laughs> it's I don't know. It's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt, and probably just a matter of time until that happens. But um, the defenders did end up winning the game, and they're three and zero. Uh, and I think that they are, you know, one of the one of the best teams in the XFL, if the not best. the best team. Yeah, I think so too,
3: Christian. And I know I may know the answer to this. I'm going to ask you anyway uh, because you were so focused. It's what happened in front of you. You know. Hundred yards by fifty three. You know me too
5: well. Um, that's yeah. <laughs> I've never did, heard did of your snake. Yeah, and never seen one. No, but I've I mean, have,
3: has, has has there ever been unruly fan behavior to the point that you took notice and what was going on?
5: Um, well, No I mean, honestly, not that I remember. I mean, I'm sure there was. Times where you know fans were probably close to our bench, and they might have been fighting or you know getting into some like physical altercation. I wouldn't say full fighting, but uh, I feel like I would have remembered that. But I'm sure I've seen like you know something escalate and some physical altercations that kind of caught my attention on the sideline. Um, but but nothing to the point where it's like a crazy story to tell. So he, I don't think I've seen anything too unruly. Um, at least nothing comes to mind. What about you, Lon?
3: Uh, well, we've covered a lot of games. Yeah. have seen some... By the way, that,
4: that, 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 the beer snake was the equivalent of, like, 2,400 beers.
3: 1,000 sounded mighty low. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because you just,
3: <laughs> you, you kind of figure you, it's the length, you know, how tall a cup is, and you, you put another one down there, it doesn't make a lot, it doesn't make it a lot longer. It's going to take a lot of cups to make, what did they say? 50 feet? Uh,
4: longer than that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and you've seen the beer snake before it's been at Wrigley field. Um, and then back in, uh, June of 2021, um, the, uh, the snake for at Wrigley reached from the top of the upper section of center field beneath the scoreboard to the lower <laughs> center field section, <laughs> and it, so, how much beer would have been consumed to make that possible? Some people did the math on it. It was $30,000. Wow. <laughs> oh. All those cups would have been, yes. So, yeah. So, a 100 foot snake at two cups an inch equals 2,400 beers. 2,400 beers times, say they cost $12 each, that's
3: $28,800. So, um, there you have it. Yeah, well, that's a great little marketing ploy. <laughs> Buy more beer, make a longer snake. <laughs> there you go. Buy more beer, have your snake grow longer. That's just... But, <laughs> How can you go wrong with that? Well, and uh Josh brought this up, man. I'd, I'd like to be the person that had the uh, vendor license to sell T-shirts concerning this. Yeah. The snake you know, could have the, the graphic go around in the, and to your back and then put a couple lemons on there. Um Boy, they are getting some PR out of it now. Yeah, yeah. We just spent eight minutes (laughs) on a beer snake. Yeah, and
4: um, I'm enjoying watching the XFL. I'm enjoying it, I I hate to say it because the USFL was based here, but I'm enjoying it more than the USFL games. Maybe because there's more players in the XFL that are recognizable names to me than than the guys in the uh, USFL. Is that
3: the case with you? Uh, yeah, but there's just a hometown feel to the to the old league. See, I was around for the old league. You weren't. I was around for yeah. the old Stallions. You you were not. And uh, there was a camaraderie there. And I was a fan, I actually met a player and coach's base. It was uh, unique, not like anything I've ever experienced, which is a whole lot of fun. So, uh, my heart's with the Stallions in the USFL. But like I said, I was watching it last night. Hey, we'll be back and wrap this thing up. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
1: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the
3: world.
4: We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers
2: who are resilient
6: and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches,
2: athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation Of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury.
0: Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather partly to mostly sunny and very warm this afternoon the high today around 80 for tonight fair with the low at 57 tomorrow the sky partially sunny will bring in a chance of widely scattered showers by afternoon the high tomorrow at 77 I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa a national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
3: Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson, Joe And Josh and Aiden, thank you. And Christian Miller has good news for good feet.
5: That's exactly right, Matt. Playing football has left me with all types of pain, hip pain, knee pain, back pain. But thanks to my friends over at the Good Feet store, I found a new way to eliminate and alleviate that pain with their premium personalized art supports. Good Feet art supports are a precision fit to your personal needs, lifestyle, profession, and footwear. Good Feet has been helping people over, three, over 30 years in 200-plus locations in the U.S. and overseas. So stop into your local Good Feet store today. Just try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. So visit them online and make an appointment at goodfeet.com to find your nearest location. Or if you're in Tuscaloosa, head over to Midtown Village. That's Good Feet. Improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time.
4: This news broke about a half hour ago. Calvin Ridley, former wide receiver at Alabama, has been reinstated by the NFL. He had been suspended indefinitely since March of 2022 after violation of NFL gambling policy. And Christian, you, you now... You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars' offense, they're skilled position players, and it is impressive heading into 2023. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, running back Travis Etienne, wide receiver Christian Kirk, wide receiver Calvin Ridley, wide receiver Zay Jones, and tight end Evan Ingram. How big of an impact do you think? Calvin Ridley can have uh on the Jags this year uh Christian
5: massive impact. I mean you just named all those names and, and the one thing that sticks out to me is speed. You know, uh Ingram is a, is a, a fast um, very speedy tight end, and Christian Kirk very fast guy. Uh Zay Jones, fast guy, you know, downhill threat. Uh and then Calvin Ridley, same thing. Um you know, Calvin Ridley is known to take the top off of defenses um so i i love it for him you know i hate that he had to miss a year over some you know petty gambling it's, it's just not, i think the nfl really needs to do a, a better job i mean you, you, i hate to you know hit people with stray bullets but you got you know deshaun watson case which which is you know a lot of allegations and whatnot and, and you look at the time he's suspended and calvin ridley who's you know making petty bets on, on his phone just kind of just fooling around you know not taking anything serious just having fun i guess and uh, misses a whole year but that being said i think he adds so much to of this offense um and and he adds to this up-and-coming offense you know they got a young quarterback and trevor lawrence um but just so, so many weapons and, uh, and explosive options on that offense i think uh he's going to definitely go in there and and make a very big impact right away
3: something happened friday night that caught my attention of course i follow nascar pretty closely Well, they came across is that Chase Elliott had broken his leg in a snowboarding accident. They're in Vegas, so it's not an extreme measure to go up to Colorado and do some snowboarding, something he's been doing all his life. But, uh, you know, he had a fall. He had to miss the race yesterday at Las Vegas, and he may miss more. Um, But he's okay. He's recovering. In fact, he he watched the race with uh, Rick Hendrick, his owner's boss, uh, yesterday afternoon. But he may be uh, uh, out, may, they say, up to four weeks. So anyway, uh, my point is when you're an athlete, I, I know some have their contracts written. And I wanted to ask Christian if he did. And I don't mind sharing. Uh, are there things you can and can't do when you are a uh, paid professional athlete?
5: Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I'm a motorcycle guy. I grew up riding dirt bikes. And in college, I rode a motorcycle around campus um but i'm pretty sure and i don't know if there was specific language in my nfl contract but i think it's just kind of a known thing uh probably don't pull up to the facility on a on a motorcycle right i think they'd have an issue with you you know driving around on a motorcycle when they're paying you a lot of money um you know there's guys that go on these you know vacations in the off season they're riding atvs and whatnot over in you know mexico and all these places and um you're allowed to do it, but it's kind of frowned upon because they know the repercussions if you do get hurt. Uh matter of fact, I think Xavier McKinney um was uh in an accident during the season on their bye week and uh that's how he hurt his hand or his wrist. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. But um to answer your question, man, I, I don't know if there's specific language. Um, you know, I, I I'm sure with some guys there is, I think. There's an issue with Patrick Mahomes. I think he likes to play pickup basketball, and people were having an issue with that. You know, just like when we were in college here at Alabama, uh, we'd have times during the off season we'd get done with workouts, and, and we're kind of done for the day. We'd want to, you know, go to the rec and, you know, play pickup basketball games, and it was heavily frowned upon. Now, obviously, they couldn't necessarily tell us we couldn't. Actually, I guess they kind of did. They, they put an end to it, you know. It's all it takes is one guy to turn an ankle, and then, you know, the rec is off limits now. So... I wouldn't say there's not necessarily you know specific language per se, but there's just some things that are frowned upon that you know you probably shouldn't be doing because if it were to happen, you yourself are going to you know pay the price. Whether that's you know getting cut, unfortunately, or or, or being fined, or there's going to be some price to pay if you're doing something negligent and end up injuring yourself and you know causing uh, yourself to miss time.
3: Well, you're costing your employer.
5: Exactly. <laughs> valued money that they've
3: invested in you. Right. And I can imagine they're, they're not going to take that very uh, kindly whatsoever. Um, but uh, our best wishes to uh, Chase Elliott and uh, to everyone else. Have a wonderful rest of the month. Monday. Monday, you got anything to add to that? Bar? Just grind away and make it to Tuesday. How about that? <laughs> uh, I will say one thing real quick. I, I think I totaled it up. I've been through 58 or close to it. Opening day for Little League. I went to my grandchildren. They all three played Saturday morning, and it's there's something special about it. And they, by the way, three and zero. Oh, and I kept score. The rest of these people may not have, but I did. We won all three. How about that? Take that. Yeah, I, I went to uh,
2: softball. This is an important.